Like never before. 
standing it's the words articulating saying it out saying it out loud singing it out loud that's what matters
Scripture reading is from Nehemiah. It's book 2, verse 17, 17 through 20. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Will you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for this morning, for the opportunity to come and worship. We know that choosing to be a Christian sometimes is not the easy thing. Like in Nehemiah, we might be ridiculed, persecuted, it's not an easy task, but you make it so simple. 
All we have to do is choose you. We thank you for the freedom to be able to choose you. We thank you for this morning to be able to worship and sing and gather and fellowship and be together. We come before you as a church family. We praise you for the strengths and the, the wins this week. We also ask that you comfort those who are grieving, who are dealing with loss. We ask for your hand on them in this church family, in the community, and the world. We pray for healing for those who need healing, spiritually, mentally, physically. Give them strength, give them peace, give everybody hope. We thank you for the leadership in this church. We pray for your hand on Mark and Shelley and everyone who helps. We thank you for this church and this family, and in Jesus' name, amen. When I was younger, if anyone were to ask me, hey, you need a hand with that? I most oftentimes would say, nah, nah, I got this, but thanks for asking. I appreciate it. Now, sometimes I didn't need any help. I'm not going to fib. I didn't need it. Or <laughs> maybe more likely, didn't want it. Uh, you ever have those people who help you and make the job longer? Yeah. So sometimes it was about being self-reliant. But at other times, and a good many other times, especially if you ask my wife, I was just being stubborn. Me? Stubborn? Really? Well, for many years, uh, we have had a wood-burning stove at our house, uh, both our houses that we've owned. We, we've had a wood-burning stove. And at that present house, we didn't have one when we bought it and we moved in. Uh, my sons, I said something to them, yeah, we'll put it in this room. It's kind of small. Don't worry, we got this. And they knocked the wall down. Don't worry, Mike, it was a non-load bearing. It was all good. So they, they took it out, and, and I went down, and I bought this nice wood stove. Um, it was a top loader, loved it. It was great. Uh, I went down there, the, the nice people at there brought out the forklift, lifted it up, put it in the back of the pickup, right? Yay, I'm all set to go. I bring it home, and I thought, I got this. My wife says, do you need help with that? I got this. So I went and I got my little two-wheel dolly. I can move anything. I got a dolly. I can do this. So, I, you know, I got it slid underneath the thing on the back of a pickup. And I... T and I... T and I... T and so I then did the thing, those three words every woman loves to hear. Come help me. Uh... And together, we pushed it back and got it up. Got it off the back of the truck because it was weighted down and, and rolled it onto the onto this porch and got it up to the first step. And that was fine. But then comes into the house, and we got like a nine-inch step there. Everything else is like six inches, six inches, nine. I don't know who the builder was. It wasn't me. So we get there, and it's, and you got to deadlift this thing to get it in. Because the wheels ain't nice here where it's just hitting. It was a lift up and in, and it weren't happening. 
So again, I uttered those three words. Come help me! We finally got it up and in. And I'm rolling now. I roll it all the way into where we're going to set it up on that platform, and it's all there, and I get it there. But the platform, I built out of two-by-eights and put a slate tiles on it. I know if I try to drag that thing up there, I'm going to break tiles. I'm going to do something. So again, I had to say, not to my wife because I knew better. <laughs> I called the boys. Can you help me? <laughs> we had to deadlift this thing and get it up on there. Well, after it's, in, after it's in place, it's looking right, it's squared on the wall. I had enough sense to ask somebody else that. It was right where it needed to be. I, she then said, do you need help running that pipe? Nah, I got this. Well, to bring this to a close, I called the fire chimney installer <laughs> and had him run the pipe up and through, out to the roof. You know, even though I'm kind of handy, I need help from time to time. I think we all do. And that is where we find Nehemiah today. Even though he had letters of safe passage, even though he had letters saying you can have all the timber you want, even though he had gotten a, a, a group, of, the, the king had sent a, a cavalry unit, it sounds like, with him to this place, even though he had God telling and speaking to his heart, he needed help to do what he was called to do. And so did the people of Jerusalem need help. When Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem, he didn't enter with a flourish. He didn't come in waving a flag and saying, hey, I'm here. King Agard Xerxes has sent me. He didn't do any of that. He came in, well, kind of quietly. The text tells us, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the, ones I, the one I was riding on. So he's going out. He's riding around the city on his horse, and he's got some other folks with him, probably a guard just to make sure, but not a lot. It doesn't sound like there's 100 people, and it doesn't sound like he's invited the, the chief people of the city to go out with him. It's just some folks he trusted. He also didn't make a big announcement of why he was there at the city. He just came in and stayed there three days quietly. Why do you think he did that? Why not come with fanfare? Why not come in saying, I come as the voice of the Lord, the Lord saith. Nope, he came in quiet and kept it low key. Why keep it quiet if you're going to do this great big thing, this grand thing that the people have wanted? Well, you see, there were folks who wouldn't be happy with a rebuilt Jerusalem. Later on in verse 10, it says, When Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite officials heard about this, they were very much disturbed, and someone had come to pr promote the welfare of the Israelites. You see, until Nehemiah was sure the people of Jerusalem were going to help with this plan that he had, he kept it quiet. No sense having some formidable enemies already aroused. Before you're certain, you got the backing of some others to help you out. So Nehemiah toured the city by night. Why again night? So no one would see him. Because, you know, the old saying from World War II, loose lips sink ships, right? 
He didn't want anybody to know. So he only took a few folks out. He only took them out, and he went around. Now, sure, he had reports. I mean, earlier on in chapter 1, he said, I had heard about this going on in the city and how it was destroyed and how this was gone. But he didn't take their word for it. He wanted to see it with his own eyes. You know, more than once when I was a trooper, we'd get a call uh, at the desk saying, and the person calling in would describe the things going on as chaos and carnage. You've got to send a policeman out here. And so, you know, they send the trooper out there, and I'd get there, and I didn't see chaos and carnage. What I saw was more like, uh, well, disagreement and disheveled. One person's eyes, the scene was devastation and despair. So there was a need for an outside assessment, and that's why he went out at night. Nehemiah needed to assess the situation. Was Nehemiah an engineer, a stonemason, an architect? No, he was a cupbearer. He was a cupbearer. That's what he was. But he also was someone who could organize and could delegate. Someone who could identify with the people and motivate them. Nehemiah could have, after surveying the city, come up with some great program, some great idea. But let me ask you, do programs really motivate you to do something? Does a program motivate you into action? You know, in, in Christian circles, there are a great many programs out there. There's programs to increase attendance, programs to increase your Bible study, programs to promote uh, giving, program after program after program. Now, is there anything wrong with those programs? No, not at all. There's nothing wrong with them. But programs don't motivate people. Passion does. Passion to address the problem or the issue. Passion to help. Passion to heal. Passion to introduce Jesus to others. There's no program we could start that would influence our community and the community of people you know more than your passion. A program might give us something nice to invite someone to or, or be a good thing to do in and of itself. But if there's no passion involved, then it's just a nice event. Passion, your passion for God can impact people, just like Nehemiah's did. Nehemiah finishes his survey around the city. He sees the walls broken down. He's seen the gates burnt up, torn in tatters. Now he sees, he calls the people together. Not to present a program. He doesn't even lay out a big plan. He just presents his passion for what's going on. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burnt with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. He spoke the plain truth about the city. The walls down, the gates burned. And he tells them about God and the king. Because he says right in there, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. We don't have the whole text of what he says. He doesn't record it down. It's not written there. So I think we have to use our imagination of what might that have sounded like. True, he said, you see the trouble we're in. He's told them all that. But what did he say there in those short little lines there that then got them to say, let us start rebuilding? Well, he told the story. 
When I heard the plight of the city, I was distraught. I wept. I wept before God. My heart was broken. And God, God took my broken heart and prepared something awesome. I was in the palace before the Persian king when he asked me why I was sad. Can you imagine the king of all this land asking me why I was sad? I knew that had to be God's hand at work. So I thanked God and I spoke to the king telling him of our city, telling him of our people. And you know what he said? He said, go there. Go there. And he gave me letters of safe passage, letters to get timber, and he even sent some guards to come with me. This, my friends, is a God thing. Solomon tells us in Proverbs, the king's heart is a stream of water, and in the hand of the Lord, he turns it wherever he will. And that, my friends, is what was happening right there as I stood before the king Artaxerxes. God moved his heart, and here I am. So what say you, my friends? What shall we do? At least in my head, that's what it sounds like. The people hearing the story, hearing his passion, say, we can do this. We got this. And they start building the wall. Nehemiah didn't have a great big plan. He didn't have sign-up sheets. He didn't have this or that. He didn't say, and what is your qualification? They just started building. He presented his passion, not a program, not a plan. Passion is contagious, not programs and plans. The next chapter of, uh, of Nehemiah, chapter 3, goes into details about who built what section. We're not going to read each through each section, but take a, couple, take a look at a couple of the principles that come from out of that. Uh, the first one is everyone could contribute to the work. The work of rebuilding was not left to experts. When you read through the, that chapter, you won't find, and Mark, the stonemason, or, or Tom, the architect. They're not there. What is there is people from all different walks of life, a wide mixture who weren't necessarily trained in, the, in it, but undertook the tasks anyways. There were priests. There were goldsmiths. There was a perfume maker a man and his daughters, temple servants, merchants, and some homeowners, people who lived across the street from the wall, went out and worked on the wall. Now, did each one, you know, take a hammer and chisel, or was it more like they were the person who said, I'll take this section of the wall, me and my team. That's what it looked like, me and my team. Whether they hired them, whether they were just people of their family unit, doesn't say, but it wasn't just that guy and his two daughters out there with a hammer, okay? Nehemiah's mission was to rebuild the city. These folks stepped up to help in the task. Our mission as Christians may not be to rebuild a city or a wall, but our mission is building lives in Christ. So every believer has the opportunity to participate in the work of God upon this earth. You know, God created each of us as his handiwork to go forth and to do good deeds. In Ephesians, Paul writes, God has made us what we are in Christ Jesus. God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. Excuse me. Each of us gets to. It's supposed to be something we look forward to. Not something we dread, not a drudgery. It's something we look forward to. Something we say, wow, 
God trusts me with this, to do this. It's a task we can take joy in doing. Every follower of Christ has been entrusted with gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit. He writes about that in 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but they are all from the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve, but the same Lord to serve. And there are different ways that God works in all of us, in everything we do. Something from the Spirit can be seen in each person for the common good. Everyone gets to participate. You don't need to be an expert in an area, just willing. The goldsmith was not an expert at wall building. The priest was not a trained bricklayer. They were just willing. Are you? Second, building God's kingdom was a group project. In rebuilding the wall, a multitude of people and families worked together. The rebuilding of the wall took only 52 days to complete. That's in Nehemiah 6.15. That's an extraordinary feat when you think about the length of that wall, how many miles it is around the city. There's one section in there where, where it's described in chapter 2 of a, a, of a priest taking a hold of this section. It's about a quarter mile long, just his section. And they did it in 52 days. And it's not a split rail fence where you dig a hole and put a post, but this is a wall, <laughs> a solid stone wall, 52 days. They were able to do it because the Israelites came together Everyone working in a unified, shared vision. 52 days. You know, the advancement of the kingdom of God doesn't occur by the solo efforts of one single individual. It's not a single person seeking to be a hero that gets accomplished. It's about the impact of God's hand upon people, a multitude, working together in a unified effort. This past Saturday was our, our team basketball, uh, the first real game day. And so we had a lot of folks here, a lot of uh, kids, uh, parents, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, various and a sundry folks. And we had our team out there greeting people, sitting at the table, making candy, or I'm sorry, making popcorn, selling candy, um, being involved in the kitchen, being involved in referees, scoreboard. You know, there was not one person who did all those jobs. There's not enough time, there's not enough strength to be the door greeter and then run in here and sell popcorn. Oh, I gotta run onto the court and I gotta referee the game. Oh, wait a minute, I gotta start the clock. Oh, wait a second, I gotta go in the kitchen and make lunch. Oh, just a minute. You can't do it. It was a whole team of people. It was an effort of many people working together. As Christians, we are all individual members of one body. Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians 12. A person's body is only one thing, but it has many parts. Though there are many parts to a body, all those parts make only one body. Christ is also like that. Some of us are Jews and some are Greeks. Some are slaves and some are free. But we are all baptized into one body through one spirit. And we are all made to share in the one spirit. We only reach our maximum impact only when each part does its work. In Ephesians 4, it's not up there. The whole body depends on Christ and all parts of the body are joined and held together. Each part does its own work to make the whole body grow 
and be strong in love. Third, many Israelites helped with repairing the wall. Not just those living in the city. People from different regions around the city came together. In Nehemiah 3, we're told the district of Beth Hakram, the district of Mizpah, the half district of Benzur, and from the surrounding regions. None of those places were inside the city limits or the city walls. But they were Jewish. And so we're coming to help our brothers and sisters who live in that place. The work prospered not just because of an individual or by a group of Jerusalem Jews, but because of God's people from different areas serving one another for a greater good. As we seek to impact the world for the glory of God, we must not be individually minded or even just work within our own tribe. We must be kingdom-minded and come together so the entire body of Christ to love and to serve our world. Fourth, we are to be passionate about the work we do for God. In Nehemiah 3, it says, Next to him, Baruch, son of Zabel, zealously repaired another section. From the angle to the entrance of the house of Elishab, the high priest. That word there, zealously, means to have a deep concern, an eager desire. He wasn't just out there because, oh, I got to work today. Let's go to work. He was eager. He was desirous to do this. He was passionate. Just like Baruch, we too are to be zealous to do good works for the glory of God and for the sake of others. Our zealously doing good works for God speaks to those we have influence with. It says, I'm not just acting here. I'm not just doing this because I should be doing it. I'm doing it because I really mean it. I care about it. I'm passionate to see it done. Finally, the people put their faith in God, and they believed he was with them and would give them success. They didn't just go through the motions. They believed it. They acted that way. As we contribute, the Spirit of God empowers us. Throughout the stories of Ezra and Nehemiah, the author constantly uses the phrase, the hand of God. The hand of God was on us. The hand of God was upon me. The hand of God all the time to remind the folks, to remind these people or the reader that God's hand was involved in all of this. Throughout all their preparation and rebuilding efforts, the hand of God was upon them. After completing the restoration of the walls, then this took place. It's in Nehemiah 6. When all our enemies heard about this. All the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence. Their self-confidence in being able to come in and kick Israel around and do what they wanted to do. They lost all their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. As we serve God and passionately seek to do good works, the accomplishments that, that come are not a result of our flesh, are not a result of our power, but by the help and strength of God's hand upon us. The Spirit of God empowers us as we work together and to build the kingdom of God. There's no way Nehemiah was going to rebuild the walls of ground Jerusalem by himself. He needed help. 
And because of God's hand and Nehemiah's passion, it was accomplished because others joined in. Others who were not professional builders, but who were willing, willing to and be used by God. Folks, I don't have some great program to present to you. I don't have a scheme for us to undertake. I simply come with a passion. A passion that Jesus summed up like this. Love God and love people. That passion isn't a program, it's a way of life. A passion that this church will be so in love with God that we can't help but draw closer to him. That we would praise and worship God in all the things we do. Yes, Sunday morning is important. Yes, those worship songs, great things, those are important. But so is Monday morning when you go to work. So is Tuesday afternoon when you're sitting next to somebody. So is Thursday evening when your fat family gathers around a table. Love God, praise God in all that we do. A passion that this church will be so in love with people that we will be workers in the fields of this earth. Jesus said the, the fields are ripe and the heart ready for harvest. He wasn't talking about grain or, or corn, but people. People who need to know that there is a God who loves them and desires a right relationship with them. Do you work in the fields? That passion calls us not to watch it happen or simply wonder what's going on, but to participate in it. We as Christians are called to participate with God and with our brothers and sisters in Christ to help mend our peace of this world. What part of the wall has God called you to? Will you visit the hurting? Will you call the forgotten? Will you work alongside another? Will you rebuild the wall across from your home? Maybe that's visiting a neighbor, speaking to a coworker, encouraging a family member. Will you help repair the wall? And this wall that we're repairing isn't a defensive wall, isn't a wall to keep people out, but a wall that speaks of God's love. A wall that speaks of his forgiveness, of his greatness. Will you participate in worshiping the king? Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this from Nehemiah. A man you gave passion and a vision to. A man who could speak that to others. Thank you for those others who participated. They weren't skilled, they weren't trained in it, but they were willing. Father, may we learn from that. I may not be trained, educated in this or that, but I'm willing to be used. Father, we ask that you would use us to help rebuild your kingdom in this community. Open our hearts to be willing to hear from you and then to be willing to do. <laughs> Many times, Father, I'm not going to fit. I've been willing to hear <laughs> not always willing to do. Father, help us all to be willing to do. Amen. I was asked Mark afterwards, is that okay that I said that? <laughs> uh, but I was thinking while you were talking that even your stove required a series, not just, just to get it to your house, required yeah. a series of things to happen, yeah. a series of people to build the stove, manufacture the stove, deliver the stove, like all the sorts of things that yep. had to happen even before it came into your possession. Yep. And that really the world reflects 
God's purposes yeah. is that we all have, I'm going, you know, in this direction in the morning, Anna's going in this direction, Vincent's going in that direction, and they're all, I see them, um, tentacles is the word that occurs to me right now, but more like hands and feet, yeah. and the fingers and the toes, is reaching out into the community and not necessarily pulling out my Bible while I'm teaching, but setting that example and the role model for those kids is, is these are the, treat, you know, the people that are loving on you, that are you know, treating you in a way that you would have us treat them and intervening when it's, when yeah. it's necessary and needed. Um, that's what popped into my mm -hmm. brain, is that we all have a purpose, yep. and, and the world reflects what happens in that way. Unfortunately, it's mostly profit motivated in the world. <laughs> uh, you know, and our profits come from a different place. Yep. As a sense of um, fulfilling your purpose has a has a <laughs> an end of its own. So hopefully that'll be okay when I ask him after the service. Uh, we are going to close with a hymn today. Uh, this is "O Worship the O Worship the King" and it's verses one, two, and three. We ask that you uh, stand for this, and we'll have the words uh, along on the screens. Worship the King, all glorious above, and gratefully sing His power and His love. Our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. Oh, tell of His might, oh, sing of His grace. Whose robe is the light, whose canopy space, his chariots of wrath, the deep thunder clouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. Thy bountiful care, what tongue can recite? It breathes in the shines in the light. It streams from the hills, it descends to the plain, and sweetly distills in the dew and the rain. Thank you. As we're closing, uh, there is a time of fellowship afterwards. You're welcome in the Lobby, that's the word, lobby. Words aren't always my friend. So in the lobby, and but stay. We've got a potluck dinner. Oh, I didn't bring anything. Don't worry, other people did. Okay. Hang out, stay, and have fun with us today. Let me leave you with this. It's from Psalm 133. It's a song of ascent. David wrote it, and he says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. Have a good week.